journeys through space and time and snow. Stay tuned. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. Welcome to the lab. I'm Professor Theo. This week we meet the Saint Nick Squad and continue our adventures of those time-traveling teens. Would you believe me if I said I had been to the North Pole? That I have observed firsthand how Santa works? And that I worked particularly closely with a group of secret agents called the Saint Nick Squad? They were my favorite. I know lots of stories about the Saint Nick Squad. The Saint Nick Squad. Delivering toys to millions in a single night isn't easy. A lot can go wrong. That's where the Saint Nick Squad comes in. They follow closely behind Santa's sleigh to ensure that all goes smoothly on that most magical night of the year. Once Santa dropped his glasses in Florida, and before he realized it, he was all the way to New York City. It was up to the St. Nick Squad to fix the problem. From time to time, Santa would get stuck in a chimney. Jingle and Snowflake, two of the squad's best elves, always had him back on track in no time. Sometimes the task is less complicated. Santa may get his fill of milk and cookies, so the St. Nick Squad will take over and munch away. A common mistake involved toys being delivered to the wrong house, which was usually an easy fix. This year, however, the St. Nick Squad would learn that some mistakes happen for a good reason. Jessie was on the nice list. You can imagine her surprise then when she awoke Christmas morning to find nothing but a lump of coal under the Christmas tree. Branson got up that same morning to little expectation. He was definitely on the naughty list. You can imagine his surprise when he walked into a living room filled with toys. Jessie was playing with her black lump of coal when there was a knock at the door. She answered and was standing eye to eye with an elf. I'm Jingle. I'm with the St. Nick Squad. The what? Jessie questioned. Jingle quickly replied, Long story. There's been a terrible mistake. I'll explain on the way. Branson was battling his brand new Barbie dolls against a Captain America action figure when there was a knock at his door. He answered, and he was standing eye to eye with an elf. I'm Snowflake. I'm with the St. Nick Squad. There's been... Your name is Snowflake? That's a dumb name. Snowflake was shocked. That's not nice. That kind of behavior is what puts you on the naughty list. Branson laughed. Naughty list? Are you kidding? Look at all this cool stuff I got. Yes, said Snowflake. I'm here to take that back. Meanwhile, Jingle jogged through town, tugging at Jessie to follow and explaining it all along the way. They soon arrived at their destination only to find a boy holding an elf upside down in mid-air by the feet. 
Snowflake! Jingle screamed. Put that elf down! Branson looked at them both, paused, and put Snowflake down. He noticed the lump of coal in Jesse's hand. I guess that coal was supposed to be mine, Branson said, sadly. I guess, Jesse responded. He took the coal from her angrily. Fine, get your stuff. I cut the hair off your new Barbie dolls, but the Avengers are still in pretty good shape. Jesse knew Branson from school. He was a bully. She did not like bullies. But she also didn't like the idea of somebody getting Christmas gifts only to have them taken away. Let him keep them, she told Jingle and Snowflake. Are you kidding me? said Jingle. That's not how it works, young lady, Snowflake said. We fix Santa's missteps, mistakes, and we have other matters to attend to. Yeah, interrupted Jingle. Just a few miles over, we got a cat lady furious because she got a bunch of dog stuff for Christmas. We have to get over there. Take your toys and go. Jessie would not take her toys. Instead, she sat down on the floor and began battling Barbie dolls against Captain America. What are you doing? Branson asked as he re-entered the room. I'm playing. Do you want to join me? Don't you know who I am? He asked. You can be the Avengers, but I'll warn you, these dolls look pretty tough with their hair chopped off, Jesse said. Branson sat down, and he began playing with Jesse. Can't say we didn't try, Snowflake said. Jingle agreed. The St. Nick squad was off to fix other problems. Jesse and Branson played, and then agreed to split the toys, and they went their separate ways. They never again spoke of their special Christmas time together. He did seem a bit nicer, at least to her, when they returned to school. Why do you think Jessie did what she did? She had once read in a book that a lot of bullies were mean because no one had ever been nice to them. She figured if she was nice to Branson, maybe it would show him that there was kindness in the world. And there's no better present than that. The St. Nick squad had a tough job sometimes, but they loved it. Little kids like Jesse, who put the needs of others ahead of themselves, sure helped Jingle and Snowflake have sweet dreams at night and look forward to another Christmas. Last week, listener, I introduced you to those time-traveling teens, and I promised more, and indeed, Chapter 2 is here. Those time-traveling teens. Chapter 2. If you could travel back in time to any place in history, where would it be? What part of the millions of years of world history would you want to see with your own two eyes? Or if given the opportunity, would you leave the whole time travel experience alone? Some things, after all, are better left to themselves. A hundred different people would answer that question in a hundred different ways. Where would you go? Why? Some may time warp as far back as imaginable, while some may want to correct something from just a few days in the past. Dana, sixth grade middle schooler, fledgling scientist, and time-traveling novice, 
would be in the latter category. Ava was flabbergasted. You went back in time three days so you could dump Billy Tweedle? Yes, Dana replied in a very matter-of-fact manner. Before he dumped me over the weekend, don't leave that part out. That's the important part. I beat him to the punch. Dana smiled, but Ava's face reddened. Her anger was at a boiling point. She was clearly disturbed that her discovery was being used for such trite measures. She looked to Elliot to back her up, and he wanted to, but couldn't. After all, he had hopped back in time a week to address notes Mr. Wheeler gave him on a B-minus essay on the history of the Great Depression, make corrections, and then resubmit it. You too? Ava blared. I can't get a B, Ava. I have to get into the best medical school. I'm sorry, I had to. It had only been a week since Ava shared her findings and her invention with the group. Everyone was skeptical at first. But when she demonstrated the hopper, by hopping the foursome back to first period and making them repeat the entire school day, a Monday nonetheless, they got the message. The hopper was real. It worked. Ava invented a time machine. Ava described the sciency process that led to her discovery. It began, of course, with the group's challenge to her, was followed by hours of research and many dead ends. At one point, she even gave up and retreated away from the project to check Facebook. That could have been the end of the whole experiment had she not happened across that article somebody posted about a group of scientists that had somehow sent a beam of light back in time, thus proving time travel possible. The article itself was as bogus as much of what shows up on social media, but it did give Ava an idea. She looked at the matter from a different perspective, and as she always does in all of her studies, she found the solution eventually. What resulted was a time travel device that Ava synced up to the T4 group's smartphones. That's right, it worked like any old app you'd find on an iPhone or an Android. Any one of them could tap the T4 button, program in their desired coordinates, enter a top-secret password that only the T4 group possessed, tap the button again, and off they went. It was easy. Maybe too easy. The temptation was great, but they all agreed that the responsible thing to do would be to only travel together. Ava's rules dictated that all four T4 members, all four of those time-traveling teens, must be present and unanimous in their time-travel decision-making. The group had tried it out only twice, since Ava's initial Monday do-over demonstration. The first was on a cold winter day, when a time jump back to a hot summer day at the local pool made perfect sense. Fun was had by all. They also hopped back to the trick-or-treat night a few months prior, because who wouldn't want to relive that delicious and most theatrical night? The rules were very clear. That's what made Ava so mad to learn that both Elliot and Dana had gone behind her back to travel alone. What about you, Cat? You do any time hopping we should all know about? No way, I swear, Cat replied. I'd be too scared to go on my own. I was never fully comfortable with the trips we did make. 
The group believed Kat because she was twice the lone vote to keep them from hopping back in time. While the possibilities of time travel fascinated the rest of the group, it freaked Kat out. Elliot spoke hesitantly, trying to reassert control over the situation. Ava's right. What's the use of having rules if we're not going to follow them? I'm sorry, and I swear it won't happen again. We have to all promise it won't happen again. All four looked at each other. Dana also apologized and promised to follow the rules from then on out. Kat was in no danger of hopping by herself, though she did agree to Elliot's request. They all looked to Ava, who took a deep breath and stormed out of the room. That went well, Kat interjected. I think this week's meeting is adjourned, Elliot said. You think so? Dana replied sarcastically and then softened. I hope Ava is okay. I feel bad. Elliot promised. She'll be fine. Give her a few hours to calm down. I'll go check on her here in a little bit. Elliot was true to his word. He followed up on his promised visit to Ava a few hours later, only to find that she wasn't home. She wasn't at the library either. Elliot had never known her not to be at one of those two places. Text replies from Kat and Dana confirmed that they hadn't seen her either. You don't think she'd hop without us? Elliot's text questioned his two sixth-grade partners. No, Kat replied. Dana responded with a question mark. Elliot had a bad feeling. End of chapter two. Tune in next week to find out just where Ava went. But I'll give you a clue. With the first sentence of chapter three, it reads, Ava had always been obsessed with the Jurassic period. That's all you get, listeners. Chapter three of five next week. And perhaps the St. Nick Squad will visit us again soon. Until then. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. I'm Rissy Joyd. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might zap you back in time. If he could do that type of thing, I mean. Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at theprofessortheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.